Welcome to The Break Room with Darlene Evans. I'm your host. We are going to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to the workplace. The objective of this show is to bring the concerns of the employees to the forefront, improve the relationships with management, and bridge the gap between employees and the top executives. So let's get started. Hello there. To all of my listeners and all of my podcast followers, I sure hope that your day is going good. For me, it's a probably one of the saddest days that I've had since doing my podcast. I, you know, my podcast tends to focus on workplace disparities and really when it comes down to it, how women are treated, how women are left out of certain positions. My podcast, again, also focuses on how blacks are treated when it comes to the workplace. Well, you know, with all the posts, the uh, protesting that's taken place and then the uh, death of George Floyd, it really stirred up memories for me. Um, Back in 1978, I actually lost my brother to a shooting and his life was taken again also by a white cop. You know, this was on August 9th of 1978. I was just 22 years old at the time. And uh, my brother was living in Toronto, Ontario, you know, got into some type of altercation with the uh, club owner, the same club that he used to work at. Uh, He was a bouncer there. He got into some type of altercation with the club owner. The club owner calls a policeman and uh, who shows up but an undercover cop. Now, I wasn't there to witness this myself, but from what was said at my brother's inquest, My brother raised his hands when the cop pulled out his gun and he got shot. Okay. My brother was, you know, approximately six foot three, six foot four, tall, big guy. And uh, he didn't die immediately. He actually was able to walk a few feet and he grabbed onto the back of a chair to sit in because he knew he had been shot in the stomach. And uh, just as he grabbed the back of the chair, the chair fell over. And my brother fell to the floor. Well, the ambulance shows up, but they don't take my brother and take him to the hospital. They take the police officer because, see, the police officer fainted after shooting my brother. So off to the hospital, they take the police officer and my brother lays on the floor at this nightclub and ends up bleeding to death. So my younger brother was there as well. And from what I've been told, uh, he was taken down to the police station and, you know, um, talked to and, and, you know, interviewed and investigated and whatnot. And uh, the police officer even opened up the window of the jail, asking my younger brother if he wanted to leave, that he could leave. He could leave out through the window. See, they were trying to kill him as well. They were trying to shoot him as well. But he didn't leave. So the bottom line is, is that the police officer was exonerated, not found guilty, totally exonerated. And my brother's inquest at the time, and this was back in 1979 during the inquest, but the inquest lasted for 11 weeks and it cost the uh, Toronto or the province of Ontario government over $200,000. That's a lot of money back in 1978. $200,000 to um, ensure that the police officer was protected. So, you know, 
with all these riots and the looting and the protesting that's been taking place, this type of activity when it comes to the police, this has been going on for years. And it's not just the police because you've got judges, you've got lawyers, you've got politicians. They're out there not only protecting the police officers, but they're protecting other white citizens. See, when a white man rapes a white woman, he's a good kid and the judge doesn't want to ruin his career. The judge doesn't want to ruin his life. See, he's in college. So he's, he's got to be a good kid because he's white and he's in college. So the judge wants to protect him and he gives him a slap on the wrist. But then you let a white, uh, a white person get raped by a black man or even get looked at by a black man. And they get lynched or they get thrown in jail. And I'm telling you, listeners, I'm telling you, us as blacks, we need to come together and we need to unite because the only way that things are going to change is if we come together and we demand the changes. When it really comes down to police officers and others, black lives do not matter. And we can turn it upside down and flip it and say, well, I'm not a racist. If you are not against racism, then you fall into the category as well. And that's really the bottom line. Look at all of the looting that's been taking place when it comes to our native Indians. When it comes to the slaves that they bought over from Africa, and we're talking our own ancestors, okay? All of the women were raped by the masters or the workers or the sons or uncles or whoever you want to call it. We were all raped. When you look at my color of my skin, the reason why my color is the color that it is because one of my ancestors were raped. And that's the bottom line, all right? Whether it was my great-great-great-grandmother or my grandmother or my great-great-grandmother's mother, sister, we have been raped. All of the women have been raped. Our children taken from us and sold. That is, have, that is what's been done to the slaves that came over from Africa. And there are people that will look at you and say, well, it's better to have come over to America and be a slave than to remain in Africa poor. Hell to the no. Because, see, America isn't shit if they treat people unfairly. Okay? And that's what's been going on. Blacks are tired. We are exhausted mentally, physically, and emotionally and there has got to be a stop put to this do i like to see people looting absolutely not but i also do not want to see my brothers and my sisters killed by white cops or others for no given reason blacks are being jailed for the most minor crimes that exist Blacks go to jail. All of our brothers, all of our uncles, our fathers are going to jail. What is that doing other than disrupting and screwing up the family lives of all of those children? They come up without a father and what chances do they have of being successful and succeeding when their dad has been in jail? Okay, 
So it's, 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 it's framed that way. It's framed that way to make us fail. And we really, really need to do a good job. We've got to do a better job on, on handling this and getting past this. And I don't really see us, you know, people talk about let's get back to normal. What is normal? What is normal? Because not so long ago, whites were lynching blacks and hanging them from trees. So is that normal? Hell to the no. I don't want to get back to normal. I want to see change. I want to see change. When you've got cops killing, all right, blacks jailed, COVID-9 killing, and then when it comes to the, the cops, cleared of wrongdoing, case dismissed, totally discharged, exonerated, and acquitted. That has been the result, not just here in the United States, but in Canada as well. Again, cleared of wrongdoing, dismissed or discharged, exonerated, and acquitted. So really, when it comes down to it, the leaders need to get it together, okay? And if you don't know how to lead, then you need to step out of the way and let other leaders step up to the plate. Businesses need to join full force to help to stomp out the racism. Because if you are not part of the solution, then you are part of the problem. And as far as I am concerned, any business that is not willing to do their part to stamp out racism, we need to drop them as a business. Boycott, don't spend a dime in their store. That's the only thing that seems to affect America is the pocketbook. So blacks, you have money. Let's get it together, okay? Let's get it together and decide where we begin boycotting because that's what really needs to take place. Whites kill again and they rape and they just lose their jobs. Blacks kill and we get 80 years in jail. Judges are set up that way to help out whites and not blacks. Lawyers, politicians, the uh, DA, the prosecutors, all of them, the police, they're all joined together to be against blacks and only to protect whites. Look at Amy Cooper, you know, in the park with her dog. And what does she do? I'm going to call the police and say that I am being attacked by a black man. You see the power that she has? The power of the police was in one white woman's hand. And if the police had came and killed that gentleman that was bird watching in the park, he would have gotten off and she'd be a celebrity. But thank God her business had enough sense to fire her ass and get her out. She's dangerous to any business. My heart goes out to the Floyd family, George Floyd, Ahmed Arbery, Freonna Taylor. When does the list stop? When does the shooting, when does the killing of blacks stop? We hear the governor talk about restoring the state. We need to restore the country. There is no getting back to normal because normal was not working. Racism must go. Racism must go. The laws are being changed all the time. That's what happens. If we are getting too close to uh, being successful or too close to, you know, um, having basically laws support what we're doing. They change the laws. That's what they do. 
They changed the laws to make your behavior illegal. If the, they changed the laws to suit the whites, to protect the whites. And as they say, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Laws are created to harm blacks, and we know that. One of Martin Luther King's um, final sermon, and he made this statement. This is a quote from Martin Luther King. America may go to hell if the cracks are not closed. The cracks have not been closed since Martin Luther King died. His life was taken trying to fight for the rights of blacks. So we need to come together as blacks and we need to do our part. We need to do our part to fight this racism, but the laws must be changed. And anybody that is not willing to change the laws needs to get out completely. Blacks, natives are looted every day by our police, by our government, by our business owners, and by educators. We are looted every day, Native Americans and Blacks. It's been happening our entire life. And if you've not listened to the press conference given by Tamika Mallory, you need to listen to it because she speaks the truth about the power. She speaks the truth about what has been done to Blacks our entire lives. And like I said, we're tired. We are exhausted mentally, physically, and emotionally. So again, on that note, remember, we need to join forces, we need to come together, and we need to do our part to support the uh, Floyd family and all the other families that have lost loved ones to the hands of police. And please keep my brother's memory in your heart. Buddy Evans, 24 years of, old, of age, life taken by a cop in Toronto, Ontario, when he was just 24. I was 22 at the time, and I'll never forget the day, six o'clock in the morning, when someone knocked on my parents' door, and I went running down the stairs because they were just banging and banging, and I opened the door, and here's this friend of the family saying, is your dad there? Is your dad there? And my dad comes down the stairs and I'm standing in the kitchen. We're both just there. And he's like, Buddy's been shot in Toronto and he died. And I could tell my father said nothing, but his heart, his heart fell to the floor. His heart literally fell to the floor. And you know the funny thing about it? Like I mentioned earlier, my brother's inquest lasted 11 weeks. And although the uh, cop by the name of John Clark was exonerated, just after the funeral, or you know, maybe even during the funeral, the funeral director said to my parents, you know, if he had been shot just a half an inch away from the juggler vein, he would have lived. Well, my brother wasn't shot in the juggler vein. He was shot in the chest, in, in the stomach, actually. He was shot in the stomach. But yet, when his body arrived home in Nova Scotia, he had a second shot to the juggler vein. So at this time, my brother has already been buried and he's in the ground. And one of my parents, I don't know which one, but one of them wanted to um, exhume the body and the other one didn't. So the decision was left that he, his body was not exhumed. And another thing that I just want to leave with you when you look at the pressure that's put on the lawyers when you're fighting a case like this, 
our family lawyer out of Toronto, Ontario, during the inquest, got sick, ended up in the hospital. Now, we don't know as a family if he was truly sick or not. We just know that he was representing us and doing a very good job. Well, he got sick and ended up in the hospital. And the courts would not postpone the inquest until he was better. So my mother, a school teacher, a very quiet, low-key, loving, easygoing woman, Doris Evans, had to step up to the plate and take the place of an attorney. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having to do the summation of the inquest about your son's death in place of the attorney. I have to say hats off to my mom for doing a great job, but the cop ended up being exonerated from my brother's death. So that's an experience that I had that I'll never, ever, ever forget. And uh, on that note, I just want to tell everyone to be safe, keep everyone that has lost a loved one to COVID and who has lost loved ones to the hands of the police officers. Keep everybody in your prayers. Thank you. To all of our listeners, remember now, The Break Room with Darlene Evans. I can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you'd like to shoot me an email, go ahead, Darlene at The Break Room with DarleneEvans.com. I would love to hear from you.